Welcome, flower friends, to the Local Flowers Podcast, where you'll fall in love with local seasonal blooms even more by hearing the stories from flower farmers new and experienced. I'm your host, Rochelle, from Freckled Bloom Flower Farm. Welcome. Welcome back, friends, to this week's Flower Farmer Chat. So when I started my journey of flower farming, I was looking for all the folks to draw inspiration from, and Kara from Blooming Joy Flower Co. was one of those people. And I dedicate my obsession with especially daffodils to her, my adventure in soil blocking, is all from learning from Kara and she's just been such a great inspiration and so when I reached out to her to see if she joined the podcast I was tickled pink and absolutely excited to share this conversation with you guys so enjoy. Well welcome back friends to this week's flower farmer chat and I feel like I've slightly made it in the world. Kara from Blooming Joy Flower Co. is with us this week. <laughs> welcome Kara to the podcast. Hi thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk with you. <laughs> of course I am so excited to share with the listeners not only you and your journey but folks she is the queen of soil blocking and she has been such an inspiration to me not only in my flower journey but switching to soil blocking and just watching her success so thank you Kara for joining us yeah I love soil blocking I can talk forever about soil blocking (laughs) and you have the opportunity right now (laughs) maybe to get us started how about you share with us kind of your journey to flowers you know starting with your earliest memories yeah definitely well my earliest memory with flowers flowers is actually with my mom and her name was Joy. Uh, I remember she had lots of planters in her driveway full of flowers and we would always go to the nurseries each spring and she would just buy, you know, flowers that would go in containers. Um, And then when I got married way back long time ago, 2006. Uh, We had our first child a couple years later and my husband and I were like, hey, we want to grow our own food. And I was like, I want to make his own baby food. So we planted our first vegetable garden then and, you know, started to get used to starting seeds and all of that. And uh, we didn't really have too many flowers though, except we had marigolds, you know, for, you know, insect repellent, uh, but that's all we had. But sadly, in 2015, I lost my mom, Joy, to breast cancer. And uh, that was, of course, very hard. And um, a couple years later, like early 2018, I always say a seed was planted in my heart to learn how to grow cut flowers to bring others joy. And uh, I remember wrestling with this feeling in the, in the winter because I was like, how am I going to learn how to grow cut flowers? When am I going to have time? I'm a mom to four young kids. We homeschool. I don't know when I'm going to do this, but I just obeyed and I dove into everything that I could find about learning how to grow cut flowers. And uh, in May of 2018, I started my first cut flower garden and uh, I planted all the usual things. I planted zinnias, cosmos, sunflowers, dahlias, and I made a mistake. I planted poppies in May, and I now know (laughs) I shouldn't do that where I live. (laughs) 
So that's kind of my, my little story, how I first got started five years ago in the world of flowers. And it's been a joyful journey ever since. <laughs> For sure. And you're located in Tennessee. So I definitely want to know all about growing in Tennessee. But as I've been following you, you've been so instrumental in sharing and educating folks on when to plant things. Because yes. yeah, it's important for success to plant them at the right time. And so, mm-hmm. yes, uh, you'll have to tell us what it's like growing in Tennessee. And, you know, as you've evolved, you've kind of taken more of like the education focus. Yeah. And so what is like this year look like for you and all the things you have on your list? So, well, I would say I, my two favorite flower types to grow are perennial flowers, which I can talk all about that and how I went crazy and 2020 and one reason why I have so many plants now and then I also love hardy annual flowers Uh, I love that group of flowers and for those that don't know hardy annuals are basically mostly spring blooming type flowers some of them bloom in the summer but they're just the type of flower that need a cooler start Uh, they like cooler conditions to grow to form a really good flower so right now um, in my flower field I grow over 75 types of flowers not like varieties but types of flowers here so Uh, There's a lot. The hellebore in bloom right now. Daffodils are in bloom, which I have a few daffodils. Uh, those are in bloom. And as far as my cut flower field, poppies have started to come into bloom here. And the sweet William are just starting to show the first little blooms. Uh, and I also have a few tulips as well. So uh, those are kind of the main things in bloom right now. And uh, I always love Pinstamen, but when I, yeah. <laughs> since I've been following you, like there's a new appreciation for it. And not only yeah. just in it's in bloom, but it's seed form. So and uh, folks, Kara is the queen of daffodils. Like <laughs> I never knew how beautiful they were until I started following her. So you got to kind of share your journey with the specialty daffs and then maybe give us a top 10 list of what you love. And don't forget <laughs> to mention that penstemon. Talk about that. <laughs> the penstemon. Well, the penstemon I'll talk about first. So in 2020, when the world shut down, I had already been thinking with my cut flower garden that I really really wanted to dive into perennials. Um, You know, all these flowers I grow on my farm, I wanted them to grow with me. And as you know, planting annuals each year is a chore. And then they die each winter and they don't come back unless I plant them the next year. And I thought, you know, I really want to basically decorate my place with beautiful perennials that I can use as cut flowers as well. So I had already put in a big wholesale order to Walter's Gardens, which I love Walter's Gardens, fabulous plant wholesale nursery, you know, for businesses. And um, I had browsed their website and kind of looked through what I thought might be a good cut flower. I just didn't know. I just needed to grow everything first. And uh, penstemon was one of the things that I ordered. And there's two really specific types because not all penstemons are created equal. I really love onyx and pearls and blackbeard. Those are two penstemon varieties that Walter's Garden sold and I ordered and uh, I planted them and just really fell in love with the way they looked the first year. You know, they have these beautiful, like bell-like flowers uh, that bloom in May for us. And they're great as cut flowers, but what I, honestly, what I really love them for is if you don't cut the flowers, they turn into pods. The whole stem does. And so I'll harvest those pods and use them for, I've used them in wreaths. I've used them in boutonnieres. I will put them in fresh flower arrangements. Like I just, I love them. You know, people can save them. And uh, I also leave plenty in my gardens too all winter because it's great uh, winter interest in your gardens as well. And uh, food for the birds. 
as well because there's seed pods in there. So uh, now that I, I, I originally planted 100 plants, which is a lot. And three years later now, all of these plants have gotten so big, I'm able to divide them and I'm just kind of spreading them everywhere. <laughs> Yeah, it's a gorgeous plant, like, and especially like you mentioned, the winter interest. So here mm-hmm. it's so dreary in the winter, and it's still like my penstemon is luscious and beautiful, yeah. and so such a beautiful flower. And like you said, it's multi purpose, which mm-hmm. as cut flower growers, that's really the, the flowers mm-hmm. you want to grow yeah. that can give you uh, not just one season, but multiple seasons. And I think penstemon stems are one of the most underrated uh, dried flowers materials like I have personally never seen them at the wholesaler I don't see them for sale online like it's really a specialty cut flower grower product I mean my penstemon stems were huge like three foot I have a picture where they were half my body length it seems like <laughs> the the onyx and pearls ones but um yeah I love penstemon and then daffodils is also another love that I can talk all about and uh I planted my first I would say specialty daffodils in I believe it was was the fall of 2019 and I was really going after a lot of the orange type daffodils like some of the you know not yellow ones I wanted some unique ones and so I ordered a few and that next spring I had one of my favorites called Sunny Girlfriend uh, pop up and she's this beautiful orange daffodil that fades to this just gorgeous peach and I'm telling you the internet just kind of Instagram just kind of went crazy like what who is that you know and <laughs> I also planted a variety called Ice King, and it is a roughy and fluffy yellow daffodil. It starts off as pretty bright yellow, but as it fades, it turns into this buttery, beautiful yellow. And uh, that's another one people went crazy for on Instagram. And uh, I then started hearing from people like, I didn't know that all these daffodils existed. And I was like, I know, I'm kind of diving into this world too. So that later that year, um, I just scoured the internet, you know, kind of like everyone else does and started ordering different things. And I got contacted by Brex Bulbs, which is a bulb company, and they wanted to send me a bunch of daffodils to plant and basically promote what they sell. And I did. And that kind of launched me a lot into the content creation side of the flower farming stuff that I do, working with different uh, companies. And I got to pick out whatever I wanted from their website. One of the things I picked out was called Fire Drill. And that is a daffodil that is my number one top fave. It is a very expensive daffodil. Now, last I looked, it's over $5 a bulb, maybe $6 a bulb. And when it bloomed that next year, everybody went crazy because it is a beautiful pink ruffly daffodil and very long stems. Like my stems were at least 20 inches, the ones that I harvested this year. And uh, that one has perennialized very well for me and multiplied over the last three years. I also discovered Jason from PHS Daffodils. It's a great American daffodil breeder and he sells bulbs. I discovered him and he ended up sending me a lot of specialty daffodils to grow and really furthered my collection. I'm so thankful to him for that. And I just, I love collecting new ones each year. Well, and Jason, he is breeding them himself and probably one of the only in the U.S. to do Mm -hmm. that. So I know I've been following his journey as well. Like I said, you started something (laughs) with me. You know, 
know, most people, and that's why I almost get creative with my language, especially when I'm talking to my customers and I use more like, these are the specialty narcissi. Because when I say daffodils, they just instantly yeah. think of the yellow ones that are in the ditch. Whereas yeah. there is a whole new world to these there beautiful is. creatures that I call myself Team Daff because yeah. number one, they do, <laughs> you know, perennialize. The voles don't eat them for right. me. Whereas tulips, unfortunately, as a cut flower yeah. girl, you toss the bulb and the voles love to eat them. So I've been watching you and yeah. broadening my collection because they are just so beautiful and something that people just have never seen before. And another advantage is, so I live on a farm full of, we have well over 100 animals. <laughs> and we have lots of free range chickens that roam our property. And we have lots of goats also. And we have our goats in a certain pinned area, but there were some wild daffodil there, you know, before we moved here. And uh, they don't eat them at all. And uh, I also have a huge field of daffodil that my pet goat, Penelope, roams. And um, <laughs> she doesn't touch the daffodil either. And neither do the chickens. Like they don't eat the flower heads. They don't eat the stems or foliage. So it's a win, win, win for me here in Tennessee. <laughs> uh, and I have a deer problem. So any flower that can coexist with uh, yes. any wildlife, that's <laughs> fantastic. So it, again, team daffodil, right? Here. Yes. <laughs> team daffodil. Yes. <laughs> that's amazing. Well, you've been keeping them in your cooler and then you've continued to plant them. So do you have plans to plant more and any uh, on the lineup that you're super excited about? You know, for the past couple of years, I have planted probably seven or 8,000 daffodil and I am tired. <laughs> um, yeah, I would keep them in my cooler and just plant them as I got to them. Like I actually just planted some late February and they are just now coming up and beginning to bloom because if you keep the bulbs chilled and you keep them from drying out, you can actually plant them, you know, as long as your ground is workable. You don't have to just plant them in the fall, like October, November, like most people think. So I am not sure what I'm going to be planting uh, this fall just yet, but I don't think quite as many. I'm going to give myself a break, I think, this year. <laughs> Because I have about 10,000 already planted here. <laughs> well, I imagine your fields, especially as they uh, get older and multiply, are going to be absolutely beautiful. And just as a reminder to folks, you're not supposed to remove that foliage. So what's your kind of top tip on that? I know that you do a lot of interplanting with your stuff, which I love because mm -hmm. a lot of uh, my farm is actually in gardens that I can uh -huh. actually enjoy and cut yes. from um but i ha so i have like where production meets beauty i call it where yes. i have gardens that i can cut from but then the production side as well so maybe tell us a little bit more about how you've interplanted and kind of the rule of thumb on removing foliage if you don't mind yeah that's exactly how i have my farm you know when i first started planting back in 2018 i had it kind of flower farming style rows and rows of flowers and i really discovered it was just walking through my gardens that gave me inspiration and I wanted to create more of a garden style cut flower farm. And so that's when I really dove into perennials and interplanting things. And like in my barnyard garden where I have a whole lot of daffodil planted, I have the daffodils coming up and then peonies or peonies, but in Tennessee we say peonies uh, that are coming up right beside them. And so 
eventually the beautiful peony plants and the foliage will actually hide the daffodil foliage as it yellows and dies back down. I, I like to give it a good six weeks or so after bloom um, before I even think about chopping it down. But I also have a huge daffodil field that is nothing but daffodils and flowering fruit trees right now. And so I will actually just leave that field and let the grass grow for at least six weeks and then I'll mow it all down. So beautiful. It's kind of that, you know, meadow-like that everybody yes. envisions in their dreams. That's so yes. pretty. Mm-hmm. Well, sorry, guys. Like, there's so much I can talk to Kara about. But maybe <laughs> for me, I'm on the West Coast. So what's it like to grow in Tennessee? And this is where you've been really successful with your hardy annuals because your guys' season, I mean, I just got my first daffodil bloom. It's been so cold here. Like, earlier in the week, it was snowing. So tell us a little bit about what it's like to grow in Tennessee and like things that you have to start earlier and over winter so you have those season blooms. Yes. So here in Tennessee, so I'm technically zone seven for those listening. And basically what that means here in Tennessee is our winters, uh, we do get below freezing at night sometimes. We will drop down in the low 20s, sometimes teens, but that's rare. That's pretty rare. We don't get much snow at all. Uh, I joke and say Nashville shuts down. We have a half inch of snow because we just never get snow here. Um, It's actually pretty warm all winter. And I actually plant all winter. Uh, because our ground never freezes. And so one of the the big plants that I love to teach about is ranunculus. And that is one that can be very confusing to a lot of people because here, even in the Nashville area right now, garden centers sell ranunculus corms to plant here in late March. And I have had so many people reach out to me and be like, why didn't my ranunculus bloom? I started them in March and April, like the back of the package said, and the garden center was selling it. And I'll tell them, I'll tell you exactly why. It's because it was too late to plant it at that time. Uh, We were just too warm. And so here in Tennessee, we can plant ranunculus in the fall. Um, I plant it around like November-ish. And I just make sure that I cover them if we drop below freezing. Technically, ranunculus foliage can handle down to 25 degrees. But I just tell everyone, if it's going to drop below freezing, just cover it. We also can plant it in early January here if you missed your fall planting. And uh, you can do that a couple of different ways. You can either soak your corms and plant them straight in the ground and they will pre-sprout or you can pre-sprout them indoors and transplant outside. I've done it all different ways. Just as long as I have the pre-sprouted corms in the ground by beginning of February, you will get start to get blooms in April here and they will bloom until about Mother's Day to about mid-May here and then they kind of start to shut down because we've reached 80 degrees and it's hot and they are done. Yeah, it's a great to, you know, get that education out there. Like I've heard from you so many times, just we need to set folks up for success, that they yeah. enjoy this versus being confused. Because, yeah, when you go into the big box stores, you start seeing like the Dahlia tubers in like January and it's like, oh. And yeah. by the time people can actually like plant them, they and they just don't look good. So it's, yeah, setting people up for success is key. You know, and that's one of the big biggest things I've learned uh, being in this cut flower world is gardening can get really confusing, especially if you're looking, you know, when you go to the garden centers and you don't know anything, you're looking to see what's in bloom and you think that what's in bloom there is supposed to be in bloom then. And it's, and it's actually not. 
Um, I went to a garden center the other day, uh, mid-March, and there were dahlias in bloom. And, you know, someone that doesn't know about dahlias at all or gardening may buy that plant. And because it's warm outside right now, they may plant it outside. And we're not out of our frost date range. Like our last frost date is, you know, they say April 15th. We could get another freeze. And to the person that doesn't know anything about dahlias, they'll lose that dahlia. They'll lose that beautiful bloom if it were to freeze outside. And also with seed packets, I've discovered and hardy annuals, as you know, like the seed packets just kind of give you a general idea. And it's not when you plant them a lot of the time here in Tennessee, I'm finding. And so education I have just discovered over the past five years of doing this is what I love. I love teaching people the proper times to actually plant flowers for here for me you know, in Tennessee or the Southern region. And I've just become very passionate about that. (laughs) Which is so greatly appreciated and launched you into your future, I feel like, because you've created so many beautiful guides for folks. You have created an Amazon shop that you probably make more off of than flower farming (laughs) in itself. And But yeah, it's so amazing because you're helping educate folks on the tools needed. And Mm -hmm. there's not a lot out there for people to be successful. And I want to jump into soil blocking because mm-hmm. you yeah. are the queen of it. I got inspired by you to start soil blocking and I've had my successes and I've had my failures and it yeah. really comes down to you got to just try and you'll figure out what works for you. Yeah. But you know, use guides like what you've put together mm-hmm. to get started. And as I've shared it, I've even went to my kids' classrooms and showed them how to make soil blocks and people are like, what is that? Is that a brownie? Like, yes. what are you doing? <laughs> and just it's a allowed me as a smaller grower to yeah. maximize and utilize my space uh, yes. under my lights, which I see behind you, and the heat <laughs> mat. Like, I can grow so many flowers mm-hmm. using soil blocks. So yeah, tell us a little bit about your soil blocking journey and just all your advice. Yeah, definitely. Well, I got into soil blocking in about the fall of 2018. And the reason I started soil blocking is I don't I didn't have a greenhouse, I didn't have a flower studio. Like I have to start everything inside of my house. And I don't have a huge house either. And I thought, how am I going to start a lot of plants in a small space? And I discovered soil blocking. And uh, I started the soil blocks in my kitchen. And I had a grow light in my closet upstairs in the bonus room. And uh, I just had a four foot grow light that first year. And I had 800 flower plants from soil blocks under that four foot grow light the first year at one time, which was crazy. I somehow, I would use different like meat trays I would save and I would just it was kind of like a puzzle fit them all together under that grow light and I was just amazed at how much I could grow in a very small space and I just really enjoy the whole art of soil blocking and I saw that it really did produce some healthy plants not only is it very space saving but uh, the plant air prunes itself and uh, what that means is they don't get root bound which is great I've really learned a lot over the years. You know, my seeds were germinating so well in my house. And then I got my flower studio, which is where I'm in right now. And it's more of like a she shed, you know, for those listening, if you want to picture it. um, It's not as well insulated as a house. Uh, It is 
a little better now than it was a couple of years ago. But what I was finding is my seeds weren't germinating as well. And I was like, why aren't my seeds germinating down here? And uh, I just really had to learn my environment. I, I learned that we were not humid enough down here. We were not warm enough down here. That just really propelled me into learning about seed starting, basically. And uh, now I have insulation in here and I've got grow lights behind me. All I use is a metal rack. I use shop lights. They're not even actual legit grow lights, you know, um, and I have heat mats. And uh, I discovered this year Vermont compost, uh, which I've talked a lot about on my Instagram, and I've sold a ton of it through my Amazon storefront. It has grown the healthiest plants I have ever grown. And I just love that. Love it. <laughs> in the show notes, I'm gonna link your Instagram and folks, she's got so much out there. I mean, she's got everything set for you what to buy the links to it. So you got to check out Kara's page to check out not only her guides, but check her Amazon storefront. She's basically gave you everything on a silver yeah. platter. <laughs> so. Yeah. And that's what I wanted for me when I got into this, you know, the Amazon storefront that I set up, you know, when they let me set this type of store up, you can create different lists in there. So like I have a soul blocking list and I have listed everything that I use for soul blocking. Grow lights. I have a grow light setup list and I've listed the shelves. I listed the lights. It's been a great tool and a great resource for people just to look at and uh, see, oh, I didn't even think, do I need fertilizer? Like she has this on her list, you know, type of thing. So it's, it's been great for people. I've been uh, happy to have that storefront as a resource for people. Well, I I'm sure folks are super thankful. So just thanks for always <laughs> kind of putting the education content out there. And that mm -hmm. gets to my next question. I know you've been working with Bloom TV. You've got so many amazing opportunities that you've put out there for us audiences. So uh, what's that look like in this upcoming year for you? Yeah, um, you know, I feel like my flower business, I'm, uh, I've really evaluated a lot over the years. You know, what is it that I want to do, you know, with flowers? I have done everything from bouquet subscriptions to growing flowers for weddings and designing weddings. I've done custom vase arrangements and I love doing all those things, but I've really discovered education is what I truly love to do with the flowers. And so, like you said, like I've set up uh, several guides, uh, some are free, some are paid uh, that people can get. And I'm just really kind of propelling myself into that education arena from here on out. My dream, what I would really love is to actually have workshops here at the farm. Um, I want people to be in the flower field and kind of experiencing it. And I've been working on setting up my flower house for that taken me quite a while because we've had several projects in the works, but I've been doing that. I have multiple different partnerships uh, coming up, which is neat. Like what I've kind of gotten into is content creation for other plant and garden businesses, which I didn't even know I liked that area until I got into flowers and started taking videos and photos. And I just enjoy the art of education through content creation. Last year for Bloom TV, I co-hosted a flower talk show. Uh, called Flowers and Friends talk show and we did a live stream show every Friday and we interviewed uh, multiple people that had something to do with flowers whether they were flower farmers gardeners whether they were artists edible flower creators you know we have people on there uh, that create food with edible flowers which I thought was so cool uh, and we would just interview them each week Bloom TV is really focused on the education 
side. And so uh, they have some things in the works coming up with that. So I've talked to them about that. So we'll see in the future, you know, what education stuff I do there. What I love from you sharing that journey, Kara, is that folks, you just got to start somewhere. And it may be just planting the seed, growing the flowers. You'll not only learn if you like that flower, you don't like that flower or, you know, and this is where you got to kind of try selling your flowers in multiple different avenues because you never know unless you Mm -hmm. get in it. You can listen to podcasts, you can Mm -hmm. watch YouTube, you can read books, you can take courses, but until like you actually interact with your community and learn about, you learn so much about yourself in this journey of what you like and what you don't Mm -hmm. like. And so that's what I love about you sharing that is it started with planting the seed, growing the flowers and doing the CSA Mm -hmm. to now just discovering what you truly love about Mm -hmm. flowers and it's still sharing the joy Mm -hmm. yeah and your mom mm -hmm. and I'm all about like how can I help people Um, and I have just discovered through this that spreading joy through flowers is actually helping people create their own cut flower gardens Uh, that's what I'm really finding um, is people just want to create their own little cutting garden patch and many people just don't even know where to start with that and so um, I've just created all kinds of videos uh, of how you know you can get started you don't have to have a flower farm to grow a lot of flowers you really can grow a cut flowers in a small space and that's really what I'm going uh, towards in the future is education well that's amazing and I can't wait to see it all come to fruition and uh, you've been just such an inspiration to me and I know a lot of folks so thank you for that so with that I you know you grow so many beautiful flowers I'm going to ask you a super hard question of what's your favorite (laughs) my favorite is definitely daffodils (laughs) I definitely love the daffodils just because there is just an endless amount of varieties that you can grow currently I've had daffodils in bloom for seven weeks at my farm many people think you You know, they're here and they're gone so quickly. And if you are planting the right varieties, the early, the mid, and the late bloomers, you really can have daffodils for weeks on end. I still have some that are in bud right now. So I'll have daffodils for eight solid weeks this year. And uh, it's also nice because you plant them once and they multiply. (laughs) They're really an easy flower to grow. (laughs) For sure. Now, which one's your favorite? That's probably going to be the even harder question. Oh, Oh, my. My favorite daffodil is, well, fire drill is definitely one of my favorite daffodils. Uh, just be- for her beauty, for, you know, she's got pink ruffles. She's got really long stems. But I will say, you know, I have other favorites in terms of certain characteristics. Like I have one in bloom now called Altruist. And that was a pretty common one. You can find that several places. And it's a yellow daffodil with a beautiful orange center, but it has a really masculine scent to it. And it's just really different because most flowers have such a feminine floral scent. I just, I love seeing that one bloom each year because it's just so different. Now, I always hear folks, you can't put daffodils in a mixed arrangement. And my experience is if you at least let it kind of condition and water mm-hmm. by itself for 24 hours that I've had pretty good success yeah. actually including them with other flowers mm-hmm. so any other top tips for the daff and using it as a cut flower yeah you definitely can mix them with other flowers I always just say hey leave them on their own for at least four hours let that sap kind of bleed out um, if you plan on putting the daffodils with an 
other flowers and other arrangements and you know that they're going to need to be at different heights, maybe, you know, go ahead and cut off a little bit extra and let the sap come out uh, in water. But from my experience, even when I have, because I've tested it, like, let me put the daffodils that I just picked with other flowers, your other flowers aren't going to die overnight, per se. It, some flowers, I think, are more susceptible to the sap than others. But as a good rule of thumb, I just let my daffodils sit on their own for several hours and then I mix them with others. Well, and I feel like this is where educating your customers too. I always say change the water every day. You know, it, yeah. those stems want fresh water every day and you're set for success. And even that might be overdoing it, but you get to enjoy them longer. So also you got to pull, not to cut the daffodil. <laughs> right. I learned that from <laughs> you, by the way. But uh, I experimented last year of, you know, when they got in that gooseneck stage, uh -huh. I would pull them and then I did put them in water. I didn't dry store them in my cooler, but I was able to keep them for a couple weeks. And then I'm like a month behind this year, unfortunately, but I was able to pull them out of the cooler, design mm -hmm. with them for Easter, all the way up to like Mother's Day. Like you said, having the different varieties almost allows you the succession planting of mm -hmm. them. So I'm yeah. just curious of your experience of storing them for longer periods of time versus just using them. I mean, I, I have some daffodils in my cooler right now that are least a week and a half old and they're still in the gooseneck stage because I picked them at that stage. Um, I'm just kind of seeing how long they will last in there. Typically I use them right away so I haven't tried to dry store them for weeks and weeks up on end you know like some people do with tulips but as of now you know week and a half in the gooseneck stage we're still doing good so there's lots of life in that flower still. <laughs> there is for sure. Now I'm curious you're not only a flower farmer and educator a businesswoman, you're a mom, and you're homeschooling. Oh, my praise be. Like, how do you do it all? I, you know, there's a lot of us wearing all these hats. So any advice to the parents out there that are doing it all? I don't do it all for one thing. Another thing on my plate that I don't talk a lot about on my Instagram is I'm a caregiver to my mother-in-law, uh, along with my husband. She lives right next to us, and she requires a lot of our care. And so that with our four kids and homeschooling, it it takes a lot of my time. And what I've really had to evaluate over the past year is, okay, what do I really love doing with flowers? Because, you know, most people see the beautiful flower field photos and they're like, I want that. And you totally can have that, but it's a lot of work. And it's a lot of work selling flowers. I mean, you've got to be out there every morning cutting them because you don't want them to bust open and then you're, you, that flower may not be sellable. And so personally, I've had to reevaluate my business. You know, what is it that I really love to do with flowers? And what is it that I don't love to do with flowers? Because I did didn't start this flower farm to be exhausted and be taken away from my family all the time. And I don't want that. I'm not willing to give that up. That's why I've personally moved to, I've scaled down on the annuals and scaled up on the perennials. I have turned more towards uh, selling things online, uh, like the passive income streams, you know, still teaching about my flowers, selling the guys, having income from my Amazon storefront, that kind of thing. So it allows me to still grow flowers, but not have to sell quite as many of them because I have 
have income coming in from other streams. I just, you just really have to evaluate what works for you kind of thing. And I've really had to do that this year. I love that you hit on all the points there because oftentimes people see these field of flowers and they're, or they, it started with, like for me, I'll use myself as an example. It started with this love and passion around plants and flowers. Uh I'm like, I could totally do this. Little did I know how much work it is. Like you said, it's a ton of work. And so Mm -hmm. just really finding your niche with it and still Mm -hmm. finding the balance of life because, you know, like you have children, I have children, like still enjoying them and not being that mom that's like constantly exhausted and like, Mm -hmm. I can't do that because the flowers, I get that a lot from my family. There's a lot of guilt that comes with that too. So yeah, for sure. You know, one point that I forgot to ask you about, but before this flower journey, you were a nurse and Uh I've seen a lot of folks have transitioned coming from the healthcare profession myself from just different industries into flower farming. So I'd love to hear a little bit about, you know, your journey from being a nurse to uh, flower farming. Yeah, well, I was a nurse for about eight years before I left my job. Um, So I unfortunately lost my mom and my dad to cancer. And I lost my brother the same year that I lost my mom. And uh, in 2015, and it was at the end of 2015, I said, you know, I need a break from the medical field for a little bit. You know, I've had lots of trauma kind of happen with losing my whole family, basically. And I was an oncology nurse as well. And I thought, I just don't want to do cancer nursing anymore. I loved it. I love being a nurse. I love doing patient care, but I just needed a break from the medical world for a bit. And um, thankfully, I have an extremely supportive husband. And uh, I was pregnant with my fourth child at that point. Also, we were really getting into homeschooling. And so I uh, resigned from my job. I do miss it some days, you know, as I'm taking my mother-in-law to multiple hospital appointments. I'm like, oh, I miss being in the hospital. You know, it's just something you just never forget. But that was back in the end of 2015. I actually didn't even start growing cut flowers until 2018. Yeah, so I I didn't leave my job to uh, get into the flower growing world. I really feel like actually God put the seed in my heart to learn how to grow cut flowers, to bring others joy, to bring me joy, to help me, you know, through everything that I have been through. And it has been such therapy to me, you know, to get my hand in the soil. And that's why I, every day I'm working in my garden. It's because I love it. It's not because I want to get paid a bunch. I love it. (laughs) It's very important. And thanks for just sharing think a lot of folks can find inspiration from just hearing about your story so thank you well friend I have used up a lot of your time and I just really appreciate this conversation but have a couple uh, final questions for you mm-hmm. is just you know as folks are listening in is there any lessons learned or any advice you would have for them or anything that I may have missed asking you that you'd like to share you know I just always remember you know people can get discouraged like if they have a plant die or if the ceilings don't grow well, like they may tend to give up too easily. And I will say I have learned the most by losing plants, which is kind of crazy. I have learned a lot by losing plants to this or that. So don't get discouraged. Keep on going. Um, You really, it's okay to try a lot of different things in the flower farming world to find your niche. Don't think that you have to do everything. You can get on Instagram and you can see this whole world of people doing this and that and you feel like you should be doing this or that. But remember, it's your life. You have to make this fit into your 
life. That is absolutely perfect, Kara. Thank you so much for that. (laughs) Thank you for this conversation. It's been so great to get to chat with you about flowers. I'm just curious, and maybe for our audience, how folks can find you for inspiration, all your different handles. Yeah, well, I'm I'm most active on Instagram. That's where I've been for the past few years at Blooming Joy Flower Co. I do have a TikTok. Who knows where that'll be by the time this podcast comes out, but I'm active there too. I do have a Facebook and I have a YouTube, which I have put a few videos on. Um, I'm starting to put out more videos there, more long form video. And then of course I have my website too, bloomingjoyflowerco.com. Well, thank you, Kara, for that. And I just recommend to everybody listening. And if you have a flower friend that's not listening to tell them to follow Kara, because she's got so many great tools and that you can check out and then check out her uh, Amazon storefront too, because there might be something that you <laughs> didn't think you need to purchase and she's the expert so well, well thank you again Kara. i really appreciate this conversation thank you for having me it was wonderful to talk with you i just want to say thank you again to Kara for joining the podcast and sharing all that she did there were so many great nuggets in this episode and I hope you really enjoyed it uh, because I did. Kara mentioned some really excellent points about, you know, flower farming can be pretty consuming, especially if you're looking on social media and following all the flower farmers and feeling oftentimes, I know I'm speaking for myself, like I'm not doing enough. I should be doing this. I should be doing that. But as Kara reminds us, you should try all the different things or some of them, but you should also find balance in your life. And truly, when it comes down to it, you need to find joy in this. And so thank you again, Kara, for sharing your knowledge and creating such amazing resources for those that want to grow cut flowers. I just really appreciate the dedication and all the content that she shares on a daily basis with all of us. So thank you again, Kara, and we will chat with you all next week. Have a great week, folks. Well, that wraps up this episode. Thank you so much for joining in to the conversation. And together, all boats will rise and local flowers will be blooming fabulous in all of our communities. So if you are a fellow flower farmer that want to join in on the conversation, please reach out to us to get you scheduled for a podcast episode. And if you're just listening in and enjoy the podcast, please share with your friends, your family, and everybody you know. We really appreciate it. Thank you.